You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Tiger, Tiger Woods, yo. That's the theme of the tonight show. Nonsense. This is a bowling show. Okay? To be clear. Really, do people still care about Tiger Woods? I tweeted it out. Do people really still care about Tiger Woods? I mean, come on. Like, at one time, he was supposed to smash Jack Nicholson's record and Nicholas's record. Yeah. And now, it's there's no way he's even going to touch it and you know people are celebrating them I, I don't get it i don't get it it's nostalgia mike it's that, that's what it is i mean he was such a force as a golfer and is going to be go down as probably the top three greatest golfer of all time and people love nostalgia man hulk hogan comes back to wrestlemania people love it stone cold steve austin people love it same thing with tiger woods he wins a major which is incredible comeback story i mean you gotta admit though the the guy was down and out he, and, and was injured and had a whole bunch of physical problems. And to come back and win a major, and, you got to get personal problems. problems, personal problems too. And it seemed like drug problems at one time, perhaps. So, yeah, great. But listen, the guy's still a jerk. You know, I mean, he's still a guy who like ripped his family apart and, you know, made terrible decisions and, you know, treated people in a, probably a, a less than, than uh, exemplary way especially for the position he's in in life. Not a guy I really want to root for. I don't really want to talk about Tiger, but I think for a couple more minutes we might have to anyway since you brought it up. So uh, Game of Thrones tonight too, Rob. Oh, my God. I just rewatched uh, season seven last week. I'm, I'm like so hyped for this season. It's the last season, and I mean, I don't know how they're going to cram everything in in seven episodes, but we'll just wait and see. They're going to be long episodes. Who's the Jon Snow of the PBA tour? Wow, like the, that's the golden child. It's got to be Belmonte, no? No, no. He would he would be Khaleesi. He would be the one with the dragons, right? Uh, because he has power that no one else has. So he would de- he would definitely be Khaleesi. I think I think uh, Jon Snow would have to be like Pete Weber or Norm Duke, somebody probably Pete Weber, who's you know um, was you know older when he won his fifth U.S. Open. You know he keeps going because Jon Snow was killed, but he wasn't really killed. But, yeah, excited for Game of Thrones tonight, too, no doubt. So, shout to all our listeners out there if you're into uh, some of the same stuff that we are. But, Rob, we're going to go in a completely different direction tonight. We're bringing on the Young Bulls tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about some of the the, the younger bowling that's been going on in in, in college, especially since we've been out of the circuit for so long that it's going to be cool to, to, to hear some, you know, talk college bowling, man. Love it. All my young bulls, stand up. If you're not from Philly, that's just an expression to uh, give give love to somebody who's a bit younger. But uh, all my young bulls, stand up. You know, we're trying to reach the younger crowd out there. Where's our social media crowd at? Where's our college bowling crowd at? Where's our younger bowling crowd at? This episode's kind of for you tonight. You know, our last few guests have definitely been established uh, PBA Tour players. You know, we're going in a little bit of a different direction tonight. So, Rob, we want to welcome on tonight uh, PBA Tour rookie and uh, intercollegiate singles champion from last year, 
former bowler for Robert Morris. I believe his team also made the intercollegiate team final last year. And uh, junior Team USA member as well, if I'm correct. Uh, Kenny Ryan. Kenny, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Man, we're t- Tiger Woods, Kenny. What do you think about Tiger winning? Oh, Kenny, all, all you did was tweet about Tiger Woods this weekend, so I guess we'll have to talk about Tiger Woods for a few more minutes. And you literally sent out 57 tweets this weekend about Tiger Woods. Yeah, man, we don't know how often Tiger's going to do this again. He, he was out for so long, and then he wins the Tour Championship last year. He was in contention in majors last year, and then he goes out and wins this weekend. When Pete Weber was winning his fifth U.S. Open, I was doing the same thing. I was just younger and didn't have as much of a following on social media, but I was I was getting super hyped with that, too. Yeah, we all were. We all were. But, yeah, the bowlers were driving me crazy today with all the tweeting about Tiger Woods. It was driving me insane, more so yesterday I, than today. Yeah, I saw that uh, I saw that little tweet. I, I felt a little offended. I thought I was getting subtweeted. I felt you should have added me or something. <laughs> yeah, you – you were definitely part of it, no question. I mean, my but my whole feed, I mean, I follow a lot of bowlers, obviously, but my whole feed was just blown up with Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. I, it's like Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. I mean, Tiger, come Woods. On. Right. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. I mean, I understand. And I think the greatest thing is, like, he reestablished himself as a person, too, after this whole back surgery. Like, you could tell he's just – more appreciative to be able to do what he's doing, which makes his wins that much sweeter as a fan. All right, we're wrapping it up with this. You two both talk about him coming back from the injuries and the surgeries. Here's what you should really talk about. Him coming back from getting chased by his wife with a golf club on Thanksgiving night. (laughs) That's what we should really talk about, all right? And that's why, you know, I choose to just move on. So we're going to move on. I hope everybody enjoyed the golf talk. I'm sure we'll get a lot of listens from the golf talk, even though this is a bowling podcast, but whatever, whatever, it's fine. I watched a little bit myself. My daughter had a birthday party, thankfully, so I didn't have to sit through the whole thing, but I did watch it when I was sitting around. So, Kenny, we bring you on tonight because uh, we wanted to get a perspective of a younger player on tour. This was your rookie season on tour. Uh, you just graduated from Robin Morris last year and earned your degree from there. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to bring you on and kind of, you know, just just uh, get a different perspective. We've had some older players on. We've had some established PBA players on. So we're definitely looking forward to hearing um, hearing from your perspective as a new player out there. But before we get into things, you know, tell us about your career up to this point. You know, let, us, let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself, where you're from, what your background is, how you arrived at this point in your career. Obviously, I know you a little bit. We'll get into that later. But uh, tell our listeners about yourself so they can know you. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up in Ocean Township, New Jersey. It's a small little town near the shore, right near Asbury Park. Um, my career kind of started in juniors in JBTs when I was about 12. And uh, won, I think, about 16 titles in, in JBTs. And then I bowled junior gold a couple years with not much success. Uh, went to Robert Morris. It was the only school I applied to. And when I uh, when I went out to visit, I signed my letter of intent to go there. And, uh, yeah, my first year there, I was there for about six months and went out and made Junior Team USA, and everything kind of took off from there. Uh, and then had some good team successes, some good individual tournaments outside of college while I was still at school. And, uh, yeah, things have just kind of progressed from there to being a rookie on tour. 
Mike, he signed a letter of intent to go to college, for college. I think when I was getting recruited from Saginaw Valley, uh, they literally like took me out for lunch or something and maybe took my hand. It's so much different. Yeah. Yeah. It has changed quite a bit. That's for sure. But no, it's nice to see. I mean, that these guys deserve recognition. I think as, as guys like you and I probably did at that time. And uh, yeah, it's just nice to see that they get it, that that it's treated more like uh, any other sport would be. Hey, Kenny. So, uh, let me. Uh, I kind of want to bring up your your re- your recent Masters performance. Um, you were one game away from your first major show. Uh, what was that like? That experience, and what did you learn from that? I, I mean, I would imagine that there was some nerves in that last match. We I watched it live, uh, so kind of have an idea of what happened. But yeah, in your perspective, uh, if you want to, I'd love to talk about that that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um really just grinded through qualifying, never really did anything fancy. I think my high game was like 260. My low game was maybe 170. Just kept it real clean, didn't miss a lot of spares, and uh, just made my way into the bracket. And uh, I lost my second match in, so I had a long road to the final to the final four. And as, as the matches kept going, they got tighter and tighter for me, and I was throwing urethane the entire time. Um, so uh, going into that last match, when I bowled Simonson – Right before that final four, I uh, they were really really tight down lane, and um, I I ended up bailing out that match with a win, moving way left on the lane, like getting real on top of the gutter, and um, yeah, just that final four match, I I tried to play him similar to that, and that pair hooked a little bit more, and uh, I just kind of caught it late. I didn't really that 150 game, that first game, I didn't make a ton of bad shots. I think I made one or two. But uh, just a couple shots I threw in the wrong part of the lane, they they hooked up and went high and split. Yeah, you so, got off to a bad start in the in game one of that three game match. It kind of uh kind of put you behind a little bit. It was it was tough to to try and come back from that. I would imagine. Yeah, and then uh yeah, game two I bowled two zero with two six two pocket six eights. I'm left handed, so pocket six eight the righty four nine, and um. Just never, just never quite got going until I made a little bit more of a move to the to the right with a, a purple hammer, and I threw the front seven last game to give myself a chance. But uh, left the ring seven in the eighth frame, and I think if anyone was watching it live, they saw how much I missed that seventh and by. But all in all, it was a really good experience. Uh, second year in a row making the bracket. Uh, just really managed my my games really well. Um, never got ahead of myself, never got down on the pass shots, just kind of the, kind of the most cliche things, just staying in the moment. Mikey brought up those magic words to the purple hammer. Absolutely. That's, that's, I mean, how good is that ball, Kenny? I, I have like two of them, but just uh, in your yeah, perspective. I, it's insane. Uh, I didn't have a lot of success with, with urethane, my first couple of years in college. And once I drilled up a purple hammer, one of the, I have two in my bag and one of them is the first one I drilled. So if that says anything about it. Well, he's sponsored by Ebonite Rob, and we'll give him a chance to talk about that later. But how about you? Wait, are you, are you sponsored by Ebonite Rob? Oh, me? Yes, I am. I'm oh, oh, oh. 
But I don't okay. want to bring that up because we know how you all feel about you uh, companies giving free balls away. So I don't want to have to yeah, bring up no, that no. podcast. I, I get fried, huh? I get fried about these things. But, yeah, you know, I mean, we expect you guys to. It's fine. I have a purple hammer, too. You know, I'll say what I say about every ball, that, new ball that comes out these days since there's 50 new balls a month. The best ball ever. The best ball ever. It's Whatever what everybody says about every ball that comes out, it's the best ball ever. You need one in your bag. If you don't have it, you can't win. Mike, it's not a new ball, though. That's the thing. They say the ball's been out for, 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 for a while now, and everybody well, keeps some of them, some of them retain that title. Others do not. This one might actually be one that retains that title. I will say that. It is a pretty good ball. But I, I do have to call you guys out, though. Sorry, especially you, Rob. Not so much you, Kenny. That's fine. But, Rob, I have to call out. Uh, so, Kenny, you, you kind of alluded to, to, to managing your game and, and some of the things you were thinking as you were bowling. Talk to Rob and I about the learning curve that you've experienced this year because you had some success at the Masters, but before that, you know, it was kind of a rough road. We, we've been following you. I've particularly been following you. you know, talk about the learning curve you've gone through this year in your first year on tour. Right. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of success the last year of college on the lane, uh, on college bowling and outside of college bowling and, uh, coming out on tour, I got a little impatient and, and mentally I thought I was, uh, further ahead than I actually was. And I just kind of jumped the gun for the first couple months and a couple, couple weeks before the masters, I really put into perspective that I'm only 22 and it's my rookie year. And not every single person that comes out on tour right away is successful you have your people here and there, but especially being left-handed, you got to stay patient. And that's, that's the one thing that helped me at the masters and hopefully will help me going forward. Yeah, it hasn't been, well, I mean, it hasn't been, I don't think it's been a terrible year for lefties, but I wouldn't say that it's been uh, a, a really good year for lefties this year. Either. What do you think, Rob? No, I mean, I was going to bring that up and I, I, I would love Kenny to talk about, uh, how the left side's been for him, um, you know, the, the first few months. Yeah, I I didn't think uh, there was maybe one or two weeks out of the out of the stops that I bowled that I thought they actually weren't good. But I mean, it's it's so tough. It's so tough to to say that the left shut out because you still have two or three lefties that are making the cut or making match play or maybe one making the show. And when you break it down to ratios, uh, if you take the lefties that are in the field and the righties that are in the field, if two or three lefties make match play, that's, that's about right. Once you start getting into the four five, six and lefties, then you start hearing all the right-handers saying the left is walled and, and, and you get those things. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're a lefty, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. If you bowl great, right. left side walled. If you bowl bad, you stink, right? Isn't that pretty much how it's been? <laughs> that's that's what it seems like, and I try not to associate myself with any of that. I uh, I feel like since I don't have a ton of the tricks that like the lefties like Jesper or Jacob have, um, I want to try to learn as I'm going forward to, to become someone like Rhino on tour. Has all the tools, all the tricks with his ball speed, rev rate, rotation, lane play, different launch angles. I want to get into that spot where if the left not quite as good that week, I can still maybe get a check where so far this year, if I didn't quite have it, I'm, I'm nowhere near it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. 
uh, it's funny when you when I, I watch a lot, of, a lot of flow bowling when you really listen to uh, some of the guys that they have in the booth. There is a lot of shade thrown at the lefties out there, Rob. You know, they are throwing a lot of shade at these guys, whether they're bowling good or they're bowling bad. So, you know, you definitely see that. I mean, I, I'm trying to think if they're just why they're why they're being like that. I mean, is there any reason you think that they're throwing shade at the lefties? Uh, you know, I think it's yeah. You know, they they just they just look at it the way they do. I think it's kind of what Kenny said. They look at it as a numbers thing, and uh, they just want to see it kept under control. So, but uh, Kenny, you also mentioned you know some of the success that some of the younger players have had out there. And, you know, we, we've talked about that on a couple of previous episodes where, you know, there have been a lot of young guys who have come out on tour and have some, had some immediate success. What, what, you know, you're a younger guy yourself. You just came up out of the college ranks. What do you attribute it to? Why do you think there are a larger number of younger players coming out today and having that type of success on a, on a shorter scale? Uh, I think one starts with technology nowadays. Uh, not even not just with the bowling balls, but just technology in general life. Um, YouTube is a big thing. There's a ton of videos to watch slow motion releases and the approaches and all these different things. Um, coaching has gotten way better. The coaches have way more resources um, with these iPads that can slow frame by frame down and, and break down each little part of their game. Where back in the day, there were only a select few like, you had Mike Jazz now in Reno who had things like that, Kegel, the ITRC, stuff like that. Now you can download an app and, and have it at your disposal. And when you look at it, like look at any other sport, uh, basketball, for example, I'm a big basketball guy. All these players nowadays are so much bigger than than what what they were back in the day. So they have more of an advantage. And I think you can, re- you can relate to bowling a little bit too, uh, just People are better nowadays. They have more natural talent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what What is it like being a rookie on tour this year, Kenny? How, how do How do the pros treat out there? Is it Do you get hazed on the PBA tour? Is there hazing? <laughs> no, there's no hazing. Uh, the tour guys are, are pretty respectful for the most part. Um, being a rookie, I kind of keep to myself with my my little group of friends. Um, I know a couple of the, the bigger name guys that I'll say, Hey, how you doing too? But I generally will hang out with a couple of the, the local guys from Jersey that go out and bowl. So nobody like makes you polish their balls for them. I mean like clean their bowling balls. I don't mean like polish their balls in any other way. <laughs> nobody makes you like no. donuts or coffee in the morning or anything like that. Nothing yet. I mean, maybe, maybe one day a little, uh, if if they ask me, maybe I'll say yeah, and then that'll get me the in, and I'll I'll have uh, another group to hang out with or something. Well, I mean, Kenny, listen, in other sports, I hear that it's almost like expected. So, you know, maybe you should just make that effort on your own without them even having to approach you about it. I number one, I know it would be appreciated. Number two, you probably set a new standard, and number three, yeah, I would think you're probably bound to make some friends. But go ahead, Rob. What were you gonna say? I was going to say if Bill O'Neill makes you get him, him a coffee, tell him no, and if you've got a problem with that, he can come speak to you, me or Mike. Yeah, if I if I get Bill a coffee, I'll just make sure I stir it about, like, 15, 16, 17 times, whatever he does, right? <laughs> you, obviously, you've seen Delmo's videos trolling him as well. Oh, yep. God. Yeah. No, and listen, uh, if my advice, honestly, if Bill says go get him a coffee, I would just go get him a coffee. He's an OG, Hall of Famer. I mean, I, I would. 
If I was out there and I was a young guy and somebody like Walter Ray came up to me and said, hey, young man, go get me a coffee, I would have been like, how do you like it? Do you like it dark? Do you like it with sugar? Milk? A little bit of cream? How do you want it? I just would have went and got him you, a coffee. You, you would be so popular on tour, Mike? I mean, you know, you got to have respect for the OGs at a certain level. You know, not everybody. Not every, there might there might have been a guy or two who I would have to say, nah, man, I'm sorry, I ain't going to go get you a coffee. But – you know, right. certain people, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there was any way that I could say no. Uh, Rob, you want to get into uh, Kenny's college career a little bit now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to I want to definitely kind of dig deeper into your college career, uh, Kenny. Uh, any specific uh, college bone stories that uh, are your favorite that stick out in your mind? My favorite personally was senior year. Uh, we, we made the ITC show. Um it was like our, it was our third year with the main core guys and just staying together and battling, battling through every match. We, uh, we were undefeated and just, just so cool to be able to step up and throw shots and watching all the other guys on the team step up and throw shots and seeing all the raw emotion pour out and, uh, be able to bowl for a national title was something that's different than any other bowling experience I've had. Yeah. And I, I really, really say this like, coming from a, an ex-college player myself, if you're a junior bowler and you're listening to this podcast and you want to take your career to the next level, college bowling is the way to get it going. It's the way to get it started. If you get four years, even, you know, two or three years at a, at a, a great bowling university that has a good coaching program and good facility, it, it, it does wonders for your game. No, Kenny? Absolutely. I, in my opinion, and many of the other people that went to Robert Morris, some of the alumni, our coach, uh, Danny Hayes, is by far the best physical game coach I've ever worked with in my career. He just has this eye to see things that other coaches that I've worked with who have had success with, just, just they didn't see the same things. And he he definitely propelled me to where I am now. Yeah, Rob, I don't, I don't really feel like it was necessarily like that when we bowled in college. I, I, I really – I, to be no. honest, I don't think that college bowling when we bowled necessarily prepared you all that well or very much for the higher levels of bowling that you were going to see after college. And the reason was because we weren't bowling on a lot of patterns and most of the stuff that we bowled on, you know, after a few games, it just became sort of a, you know, a, a contest and who could throw it harder you know, or lost it more in many instances. So I'm not, I'm not sure that it really prepared us for, for the next levels of bowling. Do you agree with me or you see it different? Absolutely. I think the only program that really, maybe two programs that did it when I was growing up was uh, Wichita and Nebraska. Um, but I really believe Wichita was uh, ahead when it came to its coaching and preparing their players for future like success after college. Um, you know, definitely the, I went to Saginaw Valley. They, I mean, the, we pretty much were raw throughout four years. We, you know, Dan Dorian was a, 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 a good coach, but it wasn't, he wasn't a coach to prepare you for like future pro endeavors as an amateur. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I refer more to the lane conditions, but I, yeah, the, obviously the coaching has a lot to do with it too. Uh, Kenny, so all bowlers that, that are at a high level, you know, obviously you're touring, et cetera. 
they've kind of had performances in their past before people got to know them or before they had any exposure at the highest level of the game. They kind of help build their legend and, and build their name. What what performances do you look at from your past, uh, you know, bowling, you know, whether it be college that you talked about a little bit or other performances, do you kind of look at it as a performance that built your name up to this point? Uh, for me, I'd say it was uh, the 2016 Open Championships. I, uh, I was a late addition to a team, and my team was myself, Greg Young, Cameron Doyle, Rob Gotchel, and Chris Barnes. They'd asked me about a month before we went out and bowled if I if I could join them. Um, obviously, I'd be stupid to say no, so I I went out there and I ended up finishing second in all events, and uh, that kind of propelled me to having uh, a really good rest of the summer into my senior year, where I uh, missed just missed match play at the U.S. Open. I finished 27th, and then. Uh, mid-match play at the Masters in Syracuse, and then I went on to win the intercollegiate singles title, and we finished second in the team championships. So really good eight months that really started with I really started with the Open Championships, and that built my confidence up to feel like I can go out and compete on tour. Yo, Rob, my man is co-signed by Chris Barnes. Yo, that's it's playing with the big boys. No doubt, no doubt. When you get co-signed by Chris Barnes, that'll build the confidence. That'll loosen the swing a little bit, for sure. Uh, yeah, Danny, you, got any, you got any action background? You got any action stories? I know you younger guys don't, you know, don't get into the action like some of us did, but uh, you got any action out there or what? Nothing, man. I, I bowled I, – I don't even know if you'd count it as action. I bowled one quote-unquote action match. It was a doubles match. I bowled with Bradley Krause. I don't know if you know that name, Mike. Yeah, I, uh, I bowled Bradley Krause. It was a long I, – I, no, I can't say a long time ago because I'm only 22, but I had to have been 17 or 18 years old, just just turned adult, and I. Uh, it was a double thing down at Ocean Lanes for like 20 bucks a man, and we beat them two games in a row, and then they kind of backed out. That's all I got. <laughs> Rob, Rob, it's weak uh, these days, man. I know. It's oh, it's kind of sad. Uh, I'm seeing plenty of it going on up at uh, up at Linden Lanes lately, but I haven't made my way up there yet. It's funny. I was just going to say that, Kenny. I was just going to bring that up, Rob. There's a there's a there's a rising action um, movement going on in Jersey right now, Linden Lanes, where every Thursday night there, uh, one of the guys from the UBA, uh, his name escapes me right now, but he's been you know promoting and setting up action matches matches at Linden Lanes after their big league on Thursday nights, but it is on easier stuff. And, uh, you know, but it is cool. You know, I will say that they are getting a lot of matches. Uh, one of the guys that I bowl with on Tuesday night is actually bowling a match this Thursday and I have off this week. So I'm planning on, on uh, heading up there. So I'll definitely report back on that uh, next week on our show. But, uh, yeah. So Rob, these, these young bulls, they're not built like us. So. No, definitely not. not. No way, man. I definitely got to ask Kenny about the, the, the social scene on, in college bowling because that was always a big part of my uh, college bowling career. And I remember, uh, uh, was it the Henry the King or King Henry the Eighth Hotel in St. Louis? Used to be just a huge party. We used to just absolutely love going out and meeting other teams and, you know, having a few beers. Uh, are the college teams now more focused on bowling or is there still like an active like party social scene out there? No, there there's definitely some schools that are uh, a little bit more flexible or 
or the, the bowlers just don't care as much, and they'll they'll go out and they'll drink a little bit at the at the tournaments. But uh, I never got into that. I didn't want to risk anything, and I know my parents would probably disown me or something if I went out and started drinking like that. But there's some teams that are still doing it. Okay, well, I'm you know we definitely had our fun at Saginaw Valley. If, uh, I know a lot of uh, previous players listen to this podcast, so they'll, they'll definitely be laughing. But we love to have our our, our good time, um, and uh, you know it was one of definitely our best. Uh, we had some really amazing stories that Mike. One day in a previous and in, in a future podcast, we can have to talk a little bit about some of the great college bowling uh, party stories that that we've had. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to talk about any of those on the podcast, to be honest. I don't know about that. I don't know if those conversations are going to be had. I feel like that's stuff that needs to stay in the past. I'm glad we didn't have social media back then. I'm glad that there was no Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or anything like that. I'd probably be in jail, perhaps. I don't know. With, with some of my teammates and guys that I hung out with. So, I don't know. I don't know about that. That makes it much more impressive now with these guys that are uh, some of the teams that go ahead and go and do that because all the social media stuff, they, they kudos to them for being able to, to hide it. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You got to move carefully. You got yeah, to move <laughs> carefully, no doubt. But, uh, Kenny, what's life like off the lanes, man? You know, it's, we, we, you know, you graduated college. Obviously, you're not working a full-time job in, in, with your degree if you're bowling a lot and bowling full-time. So what is life like off the lanes? What are you into? What do you got going on? I actually have a pro shop down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, uh, called Grow Bowling Pro Shop. It's inside the big event, which used to be uh, Playdrome Cherry Hill. Hmm. So whenever I'm not 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 there in the tour stops, I'm there. Okay, yeah. no doubt. Shout to you. Kenny, go, you see, you, go see Kenny if you're in South Jersey. Kenny, you have yeah, any man. good customer stories? Like, I mean, like really good customer stories. I, I worked in a shop for a little bit, and you always get a good customer story. Because it's kind of wondering. Uh, I haven't. I actually haven't had that many funny stories happen at this shop, but uh. Back uh, when Strike City Pro Shop up at Carolier was around, I uh, I worked there for a summer, and we had some we had some fun customers, and we had a little whiteboard in there that uh that had some funny funny quotes and funny things from people. Um, one specifically, I remember a customer came in and said that he uh, he averaged between 275 and 285, and once mm-hmm. uh, my buddy asked him what what his high game was, and he's like ah or I think my buddy asked him what his, uh, how many 300s he had is what it was. And the guy responded with, oh, no, I don't have any 300s. My high game's 295. <laughs> and so he, he averaged between 275 and 285, but with the zero 300s. So yeah, he couldn't try it off on a hot shot, I guess. He's consistent, though. I mean, he's consistency. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no question. No question. Uh, Kenny, greatest JBT bowler. Who is it in your opinion? You guys, I, I, I've listened to every episode so far and every time, every time this question gets brought up, I have a hard time thinking about it because I don't know a lot of the history before my time. Um, so if I had to say just from my knowledge, I got to go with the wins and I'd say, I'd say Dave Knight Jr. Mm, See, I knew with the young guys, that name's going to come up, Rob, because he, he dominated for, for a little while there. 
in the, in the JVT circuit. The one, yeah. another cool thing, the, the one guy that used to bowl them out here started a tour out in out on the West Coast, and there's there's two people that have like over 80 titles out there or something like that. Kyle King and Cortez Shank. So if we're yeah. talking just mm-hmm. overall JVT man, one of those two have to get the goat because they they've won everything. Yeah, well, it's a it's it's a smaller world today, I think, for you guys than it was when we grew up. Um, right. You know, you guys have access to way more information, et cetera, and you kind of mentioned that earlier. You know, when, when Rob and I were coming up, I think really the only way we found out about other junior bowlers was either you saw them in an event somewhere or they they made the future stars in, in Bowler's Journal. Right, Chap? Right, Rob? Yeah, Rob was a future star in Bowler's Journal, weren't you? I was. Uh, I had a write-up, and I was famous for about six months. Uh, I remember it, they, uh, it was it was Bowling This Month. It wasn't Bowler's Journal. It was Bowling This bowling Month. Bowling This Month, that's right. Bowling This and Month, like, that's right. Yeah, like a future star-like article. And, uh, you know, they put me on there with a, a picture, and they wrote me up, and it was a big deal because, like, this was before – Oh my God, it was a huge deal. After that, I, I mean, I became like probably 25% more intimidated to bowl you after that. Because you were the kid that was in bowling this month. It was yeah. like, oh man, I'm bowling against the kid who was in bowling this month. Future stars. Now I got to up my game. But uh, <laughs> Kenny, who, who's the GOAT in your opinion? I, I, for a while I said Pete, um, just because I thought he was winning. Uh, winning, and he was able to compete longer once Walter was having all the injuries and stuff. Um, now Pete's having his issues, and I start to lean towards Norm. But I think in the grand scheme of things, in another five, ten years, we're just going to be saying Domo is, and it's going to be hard to hard to argue that. Okay. What's your favorite ball ever? Uh, I, I got to say the Purple Hammer. I'm yeah. I got to say it. I mean, being left-handed. <laughs> Urethane's in play a lot. It, I don't think it's a discussion. Purple Hammer. Okay. What uh, like what would it. you be doing if you were not bowling for a living right now and you didn't own a pro shop? What would you be doing if you were not doing something bowling-related? Not doing something bowling-related? I'd probably do something with my degree. I got a degree in accounting. So something something along the lines of that. Okay. No, I right. so you have something good to fall back on if things don't work out. That's good, man. Good for you. Congratulations on your degree. That's great. Appreciate it. We're going to give you this statement. If you've listened, we've done this with other players. You finish the statement for us. You can go in any direction you want, positive, negative, or other. There might be a PBA player who? There might be a PBA player who... I, I, this one's hard for me because I haven't been out there long enough to to say. Um, Who stirs his coffee 16 times before he drinks it. Yeah. Uh, there might be a PBA player who has a completely different mindset than any bowler on tour. Mm, wow. Okay. Yeah, there's probably more than one of those, I would imagine, in more than one way. Uh, so – the way we're going to get you out of here, Kenny, you and I know each other a bit from the past. I've actually watched you both since you were a freshman in high school, and that was because I coached a, a local team in the same area that you bowled in. And uh, I'm going to uh, – Rob Rob loves to hear about me as uh, a high school coach. 
he's, he's fascinated by me, Big Mike, the guy that he knew growing up bowling, becoming a high school bowling coach. So I'm going to allow Rob to ask you a question or two about me as a high school coach. Rob, do you want to take it over? I do. Uh, yeah, I'm so interested in what Big Mike was like. As I can't imagine him sculpting the minds of uh, the youth, but I'm curious, what was he like as a coach, and uh, how intense was he when – I mean, do, do you have any good stories about Mike as a coach? I, I guess would probably be my first one. Well, we, we didn't bowl in the same conference, so the only time I ever would see him is up at Carolier when we'd bowl um, – the winter classic or States or something like that. But uh, from the experiences I have, he was, and I thought my coach was like this, but Mike was by far the fieriest coach in college or in non-college, I'm sorry, in high school bowling. He lived and died by every single shot was thrown out there. And in my conference, it was crazy because we had a lot of coaches that would just kind of read the newspaper and grade papers while the kids were bowling. But Mike was all in on his bowlers, and he was—he scared me. I mean, because I didn't know him very well when I was young, but I thought he was going to come at my head a couple times. We were near him. Did Did Mike make any kids cry as a coach? I don't know. Did you, Mike? Uh, <laughs> no. You know, yeah, probably, but not. <laughs> Let me say this. Let me hold on. Let me clarify. I don't really think it was because of me coming at them particularly. It was more so me being upset with somebody else on the team and them just being upset because I was upset at somebody else. So, yeah, uh, definitely never only like experienced players that should have known better, et cetera. But all right, we're done with that part of the interview. You had your chance, Rob. So oh, the next person you bring up. We have another guest tonight, and the next person you bring on, I'll give you the opportunity to ask them because they know me as well. I'm bringing okay. on all kinds of people I know tonight. Uh, Kenny, we want to get you out of here, man. What what plugs do you got? Who are you repping? You're with Ebonite. We we know that. So what other what other companies are you know? Tell us about your deal with Ebonite and uh, who else you repping, man? Yeah, repping uh, Columbia 300 uh, since 2015 uh, with Ebonite International. Nothing but the best from them. Appreciate everything they've done for me. Also, uh, vice, vice grips and thumb slugs, interchangeable stuff like that. Uh, and then the pro shop, grow bowling pro shop. That's that's just about it. Nothing, no jersey affiliations, nothing like that. Just uh, Columbia and vice. All right, no doubt. Well, listen, go out, listeners, support the things that Kenny's doing. That's a big part of how these guys are out there and how they make their living. If you're in Jersey, if you're in South Jersey, just definitely check them out with the pro shop. Uh, Kenny, we appreciate you coming on, man. We appreciate you giving us the time. It was interesting to hear from from a younger guy and get your perspective. And uh, we definitely would like to hear from you in the future too. Maybe check back in with you when uh, you know when things start rolling a little bit better for you and you have a little bit more success because we know that's going to happen eventually. Much appreciated, guys. I love everything you guys are doing with the podcast. It's awesome to listen to. No doubt, man. Absolutely. Take it easy. Good luck in the future. Thanks, Kenny. Be good, guys. Bye. So, Rob, thoughts? I mean, sounds really, like, level-headed, you know, uh, just really just, like, his answers were really articulate. Just, I watched him bowl at the Masters. That was the first time I actually really, like, watched him bowl. And, uh, you know, he's going to be tough lefty to beat when he has it because he's just, 
uh, his style, rem- now I, I could be off on this, but his style reminded me a lot of Pepe. He, 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 I mean, am, am I wrong with that? But kind of very similar in the way they throw the ball, very traditional, right? Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, definitely well-spoken man, young man. I, I've known him for a while. He's always been a good kid. I, I know his dad as well. We bowl in, a, in, in the league together last year. So, yeah, definitely comes from a, a good family and a good background. And uh, yeah, that's why we decided to have him on. We knew that he would be well-spoken and, and be able to discuss some things with us at a, at a high level. And uh, I think that's what we got. So awesome to hear from him. And uh, I'm sure we'll have him back on at some point in the near future. But I really enjoyed hearing about the uh, younger perspective. We had had some older guys on, more established guys, as I said. And, uh, yeah, it was nice to hear the, the, the different perspective there for sure. So, Rob, we're going to move on. And uh, we're, we're going to bring on yet another guest. And it's somebody totally, totally off the radar, totally off the beaten path. But there's something that we wanted to get into for the last few weeks that we haven't had the chance to get into. And, and we're going to carve the time out tonight to make sure that we get into it. Because, uh, you know, there's some big events coming up or the main event of the season is coming up. And it's something that's dear to you and I as we talked a little bit about with Kenny. But, uh, Rob, we want to get into some college bowling. Mm. Yes. College bowling is is unbelievable. And I'm going to say it again. If you are a parent, if you're a high school kid and you like bowling, it's a really good outlet into the future of the sport as a, as a, as a career, as a, um, you know, if maybe you want to work in the bowling industry, you make all your networking and connections. And that's the first place. I mean, set maybe second place other than maybe like a junior bowling circuit that how we, you know, but it's amazing how many friends you make through college bowling that kind of stay with you the rest of your life. So there's that aspect of it. And then now there's this like new wave of college of colleges that have coaching and have, you know, the technology and have like all these things that we never had and would love to be able to go back in time and go to a college that had like a, a Kegel, you know, that you can go and you could oil the lanes how you want them, put out shots, practice on them, go to the shop that's in the – drill a ball, like learn how to drill a ball. So, I mean, I could go on and on and talk about how good or benefit college bowling is uh, for, you know, for, for college kids who want to pursue bowling. Yeah, so, so we wanted to get into college bowling a little bit, and the main event of the college season is coming up, and actually the NCAA championship was last night live on TV. We'll talk a little bit about that too. But we wanted to bring someone on who could help us because we're out of the pipeline, Rob. We're old. You know, we're out of the pipeline on college bowling. So I have a little, you know, the background that Kenny just talked about as a high school coach. So I reached out to some of my former players and and through the grapevine, I was able to get us a guest tonight. Uh, His name is Alex Sorge, and he is a former high school bowler from New Jersey. He, He knows me pretty well. And now he is a student athlete at Wichita State University. So we want to welcome him. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Mike, how's it going? All right, good. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right, good. Glad to hear that. So, Rob, we, we brought him on tonight to, to kind of give us the 411, man, and give us the rundown and, uh, and let us know what's popping with the college season. As I said, the NCAA championship was last night. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, the intercollegiate championships, not only for team, but for singles, are coming up right around the corner. Are they not, Alex? Are we right about that? Yeah, we, we leave for Dayton uh, Tuesday night around 6.30. We uh, travel through the night. It's a long 13-hour bus ride, so we got the long trek to Dayton on Tuesday. Mm. Okay, and, and uh, what, what house is, is Nationals in this year? 
It's at Polking Lane South, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I've Rob, you familiar at all? Or? No, I think the only house in Dayton I'm familiar with is Capri Lane. I'm pretty sure that was the first uh, Junior Masters, Mike. I, I, I'm. Do you remember that tournament they used to have at Capri? Every yeah, year? we have to, we have to, we have to uh, talk about that one later. There's too much to talk about with that tournament. Yeah. That was a good one. That was classic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. All the college teams are going to be traveling to Ohio then. You know, Alex, the first thing we want to know or that we want to tap our listeners into, and, and you bowl for for Wichita State, so you'll be traveling to nationals of Wichita State. Uh, you know, we assume that, you you know, everybody knows you guys take things seriously out there, so we assume that you're tapped in and, and have a good vibe on, on who the top teams are, who the teams are to watch. So if you could, Alex, give us a rundown yep. of, of, you know, who's going to be at nationals and – who are the top teams to keep an eye on? All right. So there were four sectionals that took place around the country. Uh, I think it was re- like a month, about a month ago. So I'll I, well, I, just split them up in the sectionals. I have the teams written out who are making it. Yeah, that's fine. However you want to do it. All right. So out in Stratford, there was the uh, sectional out in 30 strikes. The four teams that qualified out of there were Weber, Notre Dame, Ohio, the hometown Willie P, and RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. Um I mean, looking at this on paper, uh, I like Weber coming out of there. They all, like we were, um, uh, what's that? Like Rob was talking about before, the Kegel Training Center it has them prepped all year long, um, and they have the plan. They have everyone: Tom Hankey, uh, Jacob Mullen, who made the Junior Gold shows on Junior Team USA, Matt Russo, Evan Baranecki, who's a good player that goes there. So they're always a tough team to look out for. They have the coaching, they have the players. Um, and Willie P, I don't know, Willie P has been on the rise as of late. They made the show back a couple of years ago at North Rock, and they almost beat McKendry there. So and I, I got a couple of buddies on that team, so I know they're definitely out there and ready to win. They're, de- they're out there to fight. Coach Greg had Savage. They, he puts a fuel to their fire and wants them to get out there, especially they've been on the rise as of late. Okay, so from the Eastern uh, sectional then, those would be your two teams to, to watch out of the four that came out of there. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now we go to Addison, Illinois. This is an interesting one. We got Calumet, Lindenwood, Lawrence Tech, and St. Francis, Illinois. Now, I'd like to mention this again. If there's any Robert Morris kids listening, I'm sorry. But Robert Morris was number one in the country going into the – after the Hoosier going into the sectionals. And they actually finished fifth in that section and were unable to get out of the sectional qualifier to make it to nationals. So that was a big eye-opener, especially when I was following the scores and I would talk to people after the sectional tournament had ended. Rob, did you, did you hear Rob Mo miss? Rob Mo miss? I'm like, what? No way. But I think that's big. I mean, but, again, you don't make it based off of luck. Calumet's been around the entire year. Lindenwood was kind of the one that snuck up to me. Uh, Lindenwood, according to the collegebowling.com rankings, after the Hoosier, they were 20s in the country, so they're not even supposed to be in it. Um, and St. Francis, Illinois, and Lawrence Tech are, again, programs on the rise that have kind of snuck their noses into the national tournament, have been in and out, but have definitely earned their way in there. Also, Grandview, who was ranked seventh in the country, they had one, two big tournaments this year, the Leatherneck out in Iowa and the Mid-States tournament here in Wichita, and they finished, I think, sixth in that sectional and failed to get out of that. So those are two big teams that are not going to the national tournament that could have made a definite sound there at the national tournament in Dayton. Wow. Okay. And I, I, Rob, I think that kind of speaks to the strength of, of college bowling then a little bit, because 
you know, if the if two of the top seven teams and one being the number one team going into sectionals didn't make it out of a sectional, you would imagine that the competition there had to be pretty good. Would you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting nightmares about my senior year. Uh, we didn't make it to the um, national championships my senior year, and I, I bowled with O'Neill and we bowled Bakers, and we were we did exactly that. We finished fifth in the section, and I remember literally like I couldn't like sleep for like a month after that so i kind of i i you alex telling the story brings back like these horrible memories of not making the national championship the last year yeah but you know what for all those guys on those good teams that didn't make it if they happen to catch this podcast and listen to it you know hey listen it happened to somebody like bill o'neill and this year he won his uh his 10th title on the pba tour so you know tough things happen you know you move on you get over them but yeah, Alex, great information there, man, that, that, you know, some of the top teams didn't make it. That's kind of shocking. When we bowled, I, Rob, I think you could almost pencil the top teams in. Would you agree? Yeah, it was usually the same, say, four teams. It sounds like the, there's a lot more variety, would you say, Alex, of, of programs that could win? Or is it just – or just everybody know that, like, Wichita and let's just say Weber is going to be in the top two? Or is it really anybody's game out there? I, I think when you get to those best four out of seven matches, I think it's anyone's game. If one team that's, like I said, like a Weber, Wichita, or even McKendry doesn't really match up to the lanes during that match and you get beat, you're going to be either thrown in the loser's bracket or going home. It really all depends on who's matched up at the right time. and It's anyone's game. It's about who's hot. I don't like to play numbers in this type of stage, but it's all about who's hot, who matches up right, and who's willing to put the best ball forward. All right, Mike, keep us moving on. Go ahead, next section. Uh, let's, let's go over to Smyrna. We got St. Ambrose, who is also a program on the rise, SCAD, Wisconsin Whitewater, and Emmanuel. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but St. Ambrose, they bowled the first 16 games, games 1 through 16. They were 444 over in bigger games, which is unbelievable. It's an insane number to put up, especially at a sectional tournament. Uh, SCAD just won the NAIA championships and they have rookie of the year last year, Alex Galinsky. He's from the Pennsylvania area. He's a really good player. Uh, Whitewater just won the club national championships recently and they're coming in hot, coming to the national tournament. And Emmanuel is another, again, another quiet team that no one really talks about. They have David Hooper, who was on junior team USA and a couple other pretty solid kids that have them relevant nowadays. Okay, sounds like that is another strong sectional then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, last sectional. Okay, all right, give us the rundown. Go ahead. All right, and the final sectional is from Dallas. We got, you got Wichita, McKendree, William Penn, and I don't know if you guys have heard this, Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon's making their first appearance in the national tournament this year. Um, Wichita, again, we have only missed one national tournament in the last, however, in the entire program's history. Again, yeah, yeah, all right, all right, Alex. <laughs> Humble brag. We all know about Wichita. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, McKendry's awesome. been on the rise. Uh, they got a lot of strong coaching. As you know, they have Brian O'Keefe, Shannon O'Keefe, and Dennis Knepper always puts them up there in the uh, leaderboards every week. Um, they took home the Kegelice BPA Championship back, I think it was in January, middle of January, right after winter break ended. So they won a big tournament. And William Penn is like, again, William Penn's one of those teams where it's like if you get them, you can't underestimate them in match play because they'll put you down. 
I don't know many guys from William Penn. I couldn't even really name you one. But I know that they've been relevant and on the radar all year long, and they're another dangerous team to where you can't underestimate them in the best of seven uh, series. Okay. Awesome. Interesting. That was a great rundown. So, Alex, you, you, you know, you both for Wichita, obviously you're going to pick your own team, right? Shout to you guys. Good luck at, at Nationals when you go. But Absolutely. If, you, if you couldn't pick Wichita and, and you had to pick a, a team to, to win this tournament, who would be your pick? Wow. That's really tough. Um, I'm going to have to go in between. I'm going to have to go out of three. Either Weber, Calumet's Mets going to be my sleeper team, and McKendry, uh, the defending champs. Um, okay. I'm going to have to go with Weber just out of pure star power and elusiveness that they have there. They have a lot of really talented players, uh, a lot of versatility skills. Like they have Tom Hankey, who's obviously won junior gold, and multiple Team USA members, and I mean, they have the one trick, not one trick pony. They have the secret weapon that we, not all of us have. It's called, uh, I don't know if you heard of it, the purple hammer. Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> I love they're getting it. all the uh, EBI balls, and Weber gets to throw those purple hammers. Again, we can, um, but still, uh, that's going to be dangerous. Weber's definitely a dangerous team. You've got to always keep a lookout on. And, again, McKendry won last year. You always got to keep the defending champs on the radar. And Calumet. They had a couple kids last year make the ISC, so, ISC show. Sorry, Tyler James made the show last year. They have junior team USA member Petey Virgos on that team. And a couple other kids that have flown under the radar but can definitely throw some strikes when, when they needed it. So I'm going to go with Weber, though. That's going to be my pick. Rob, okay. I love this. Like, we're getting, we're getting all these names, and, and this is going to be the first time people hear these names in a couple years down the road. These are going to be the kids that are out there killing it. I'm going to make my pick now. You ready for it? Go ahead. Grand Canyon is gonna is Cinderella team. I like it. I, I want them to do good just because it's their first time. And uh, you know, I, I always like an underdog story, Mike. You know that. All right. So listen, sweep the rack. You heard it here. Rob put it out there. We're riding with Grand Canyon University. If you guys Great hear that. this, maybe <laughs> they want to call us up, get in touch with us, email us, sweep the rack at gmail dot com. <coughs> Hit us up. You know, we're going to ride with you guys throughout nationals. We'll be keeping an eye on you. So, uh, Alex, let's switch over. You brought it up, the intercollegiate singles. Give us, you know, you don't have to give us all the players in it. I know there's a lot of people involved. But in your opinion, you know, you obviously you you stay up on things in the college bowling scene. Who are the favorites that we can kind of look to to maybe pop up on that show? All right. I'll give give you a top five, I guess I could say. I'm going to go with first. Uh, Tom Hankey out of the Stratford sectional. Tom's thrown a lot of shots that have mattered, uh, to say the least. He's won junior gold. He's won team masters twice. He, again, on, to keep it on the local level, he's won best, and that's competing against the best players on the East Coast. So that's a pretty big statement under his name. And I think Tom in match play, he's just, again, bowling against him on the youth level, he's very, very intense. Like, you know that you mess up and give him an inch he'll take the whole mile so that's one to start off um number two i'm gonna have to go with daniel hansen from robmo he's a, again he's a former champion he won this back at north rock his freshman yeah. year and i just think yeah, that the experience okay. that he has uh will bring him again great deal of match play and again he's been there before and you'd like to think that, yeah, that him name. coming into this it's like like another trip for him yeah, I've heard that name, and I remember he, he had won it before. Okay, all right. Uh, the third, 
I'm going to have to go with a lefty, uh, Nate Stubler from St. Ambrose. He just recently made Team USA at trials. And if the left's there, he can, keep, he can definitely keep it in play. Very simple player. Doesn't overpower you with the rev rate. Um, but he, again, another talented player. He has a junior Team USA background coming in. But again, if the left's there, I don't think I see many lefties here. Um, I don't think so. I think he either might be the only lefty or one of maybe a few. So, if the, again, if the left's there and they match up, I wouldn't mind putting Nate Stuber in that show. Uh, so, it's three. Number four, I'm going to have to go with Jeff Mann from Marion. Uh, he won junior gold two years ago. Again, it's just based off of past experiences and just putting it in to perspective of what they're going to do. He's been in match plays, well, junior gold match play. He's won junior gold. And I bowled with him a couple times, uh, crossing with him at trials or uh, junior gold, and he's just a solid player. And he has been – he bowled on the – I want to say he bowled on the world championship team a, a year last year when they were in Detroit. So he has definitely a lot of experience coming behind him. And my fifth kind of a sleeper pick, I don't know if you heard the kid's name before, but his name's Marcus McLean from Indiana Tech. He actually was on the Eagle winning team last year with Kirk Pilon. And he had the second highest set on that team. And the USBC Open Championships is such a prestigious level to be bowling on, regardless of who you are. And to come away with an eagle, that's that's pretty outstanding, in my opinion, to say the least. No doubt. But those uh, are my I mean, top that, five. Rob, that sounds like a stacked-ass field, Doug. I don't know if there was anybody with those kind of resumes when we were bowling. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm going to go with anybody with a last name McLean. I mean – you know, <laughs> you're such a cornball. You always have to bring it back to the '90s movies references. Come on, can we get off of the movie references for a while? Sorry, oh, uh, you know. Yeah. So at, before we let you go out, first of all, great job, Rob. You know, yeah. Oh, Alex, man, that's a great, great rundown. I feel like I'm, I'm ready to like, you know, I, I feel like I'm caught up with college bowling now in, in a matter Me of like that was that was amazing. Alex, you're officially our college bowling uh, correspondent from here on out. I got so, you. I got you guys. Whenever, awesome. whenever we need the college bowling update, you're going to be our man. You're going to be the guy we call. So uh, before we get you out of here, Rob, now we had Kenny Ryan on earlier. He knew me as a high school coach. Alex, he knew yeah. me even better as a high school coach because he bowled in our conference and we would literally bowl in the same bowling center every day. Uh, Alex, Rob is very interested he loves to hear about his friend, Big Mike, uh, as a high school coach. So go ahead, Rob. You can ask him whatever you want. Alex, Big Mike is a coach. What, what was he like as a coach? Do you, do you have any specific stories that you could uh, share about Big Mike and his, uh, his, in his coaching days? Oh, boy. Where do I start? No, I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah, um, Mike was definitely, like Kenny said, I listened to the back half of that. It, he just – pure fire and intensity. I, I never had some, I never seen someone with so much passion put into a high school team. Like some people do it for just the money or some people do it cause they had bowled before, but Mike was into every shot into every one of his players. And he wanted everyone to achieve success. Um, whoever it was on his team. I mean, whether it's, I remember just watching, when I was a freshman, and I, there was Big J, Jay Suzuki, who was out here, a good friend of mine, was bowling a senior year, and they were in the TLC bowling Jackson Memorial, I want to say. 
man, mm. was that probably one of the most intense matches I've ever watched in my entire high school career. Mm. Into yeah, no it every shot, every game, it was incredible. I've never seen a coach that fired up about a team like that. Um, I'm going to throw us out there, Tom Clark, if you're listening, and you have a head coaching vacancy for the two teams coming into the PBA League, Uh-oh. which we're going to talk about. Uh-oh. Big Mike needs to be one of the head coaches for one of the new teams because you hear about the fire. We need to bring that professionally. We need to bring that nationally. Rob, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Can I second that, that motion? <laughs> yeah, that I'm getting nominated for that position. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah, no doubt. I took it seriously. I did. I did have a high level of passion out there when I did it, and uh, I think that it didn't really match up with a lot of the other people that were out there with me, with my colleagues. But that was okay. And uh, I, yeah, Rob, come on, you know me. I was like a football coach in a bowling alley setting. So you know, it, it was what it was. You know, but we won everything. We won everything. So you know, when Absolutely. we we were the Wichita State of our. Yeah, we were the Wichita State of, uh, you know, of our area. When we showed up, everybody took notice. They knew we were in the building. We were there to win, no question. So, Alex, listen, man, thank you for your time. We appreciate you calling in. Rob, we make it official, right? Alex is our rep, yes? Oh, absolutely. Yes, 100%. All right, no doubt. Alex, we'll we'll, we'll have you back on after, uh, after the championships take place, and maybe you can give us a rundown of the action as well. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys for having me on. All right. No doubt. And listen, spread the word on our show on social media. We're a little older, so, you know, we ain't on all these Snapchatters or whatever you guys are on now. So feel free to put word out there. Sweep the Rack Bowling Podcast, brother. We're taking it over. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. We want to appeal to to you younger guys. That's why we wanted to get the college bowling stuff out there. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate it, man. You did a nice job. And uh, good luck. Safe travels, man. Bowl well. And, uh, you know, I'll be rooting for you, dog. I got you. All right, thanks, Liner. I appreciate it, and I'll definitely spread the word. I'll, you guys, put a link up on Facebook, or I'll just let people know. I mean, sweep the rack, pro shot, uh, bowling, bowling podcast. I'm ready. Let's do it. We're on there. Yeah, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on all that. Just not Snapchat. That's it. Well, that's right. the only one we're not on. So look for us on there and help us spread the word. We appreciate it, man. All right, Rob. So we're all caught up on college bowling now. I'm excited. Now I feel like I got to watch. I feel like I got to uh, follow it. Yo, those Baker matches that we was talking about, those best four to seven Baker matches, let me tell you, just from experience, that was the most nervous I've ever been bowling. Um, and, and if you put yourself in that position, and, and for our fans out there, this is on another level than bowling league. Now think about your most competitive league that you're on, um, but think about it, you're bowling Baker match, and you're a third and seventh position, and the other team just opened and you're on a double, and you get up to throw the seventh. You're only throwing two shots a game, and you're bowling a best four to seven. So every shot is key when you're bowling Bakers. It is you have like literally six people behind you, including your coaches. You know, not including your coaches. So you, and then you also have your fans and the people who travel on your one shot. So, like, it, it's so much pressure, Mike. It really is, like, throwing these shots. And it's so key to have an anchor that is able to deliver when you need it in the 10th because a lot of those matches come down to the 10th. It is so exciting to watch, too. I, I, man, it makes me want to drive down to Ohio to watch it in person. I, I missed – God, it, it was so great. Yeah, I think it was very pure, too. You know, every, everybody was out there competing and giving it their all and, and really bowling with a lot of intensity and passion. 
And uh, it really wasn't for anything. You know, it wasn't for any money. It wasn't for any, like, huge prize or, you know, not even a lot of people in the bowling community at that time that we were bowling. I don't, I don't really, I mean, it was paid attention to, but I didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal that, that all eyes of the bowling world were on this competition. I feel like it's gotten a little bit more like that since the, the intercollegiate singles piece has come into it. But, uh, yeah, it, it is. It's great. I mean, it's some of the best memories that I have bowling, period. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure as the show goes on, we'll get into, into some more of those stories and memories. But, yeah, I only got one opportunity to bowl nationals. But, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, awesome. You know, I have several great stories from nationals. So, uh, yeah, good luck to all the teams out there and uh, safe travels to everybody. Uh, that's first and foremost. But, yeah, Rob, definitely got to stay up on that, right? And we'll welcome Alex back after the, uh, after the tournament is over and we'll, we'll kind of get the recap, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think it's um uh, since I'm I'm personally vested into in college bowling and it, it's just great to just be up to speed and be up to date on what's going on out there. True, no doubt. So uh Rob, we're going to move on and we just have a couple topics we want to touch on. We also have a little segment to get into uh at the end of the show here, but a couple things that we wanted to catch people up on just in terms of bowling news going on this week, things that that came across our radar. Uh, the Bolero show, Rob, it, it aired. We had Jeff Rickles on. We talked about it. What, what do you, what do you have to say there? Yeah, I, I made it known that, uh, through social media, through my Twitter, that I, I wasn't a fan of the show. It just felt like it was just missing something. I don't know if it was missing an identity or, or just, you know, it, it, for all the money that was on the line and everything that was going on with that show, I just felt like the show was flat. Uh, I felt like they, it was missing something. I don't know. It, I, what did I compare it to on Twitter? It was like going from Disneyland. And what I mean by Disneyland is like watching the show in Portland, Maine. And then watching that show, like it was like going from Disneyland to like going to a funeral. Like it would just, you know, and I don't think really Jerome Bettis was one of the announcers. You know, I don't think, he, you know, he, he didn't really do a good job. I, I, you know, and he's not an announcer, but. You know, Barnes did what he could. Uh, I, I feel like Barnes is is a pretty good analysis when he's doing the shows. So I have no hate for for Barnes. I think Barnes did the best what he could with what he had. Um, but I just kind of didn't really. I was falling asleep. And Kyle was bowling this. Um, you know, I think it's uh, Luis Gonzalez is the guy who won the amateur, uh, and they're bowling for two hundred seventy thousand. And I just kind of felt myself fall, almost like dozing off during the show, Mike. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it. Totally wasn't on my radar. So it wasn't really something that I was looking for. Uh, I saw that the league bowler won. You know, we discussed that with Jeff Rickles. Obviously, I don't think any of us feel that that's like a real good look for bowling. You know, anybody that did see it probably thinks, oh, well, you know, this regular once-a-week bowler beat, uh, beat a pro. So, yeah, but listen, I mean, to have anybody bowling for 270000 uh, I'm not going to knock it too much. I mean, I'm, I'm no. sure Kyle Troop was glad to get into a match with a with a once a week house bowler for two hundred and seventy thousand up top. You think there might have been a chop there, Rob? No, no, no I don't. Think so. No, I don't think so. I think it's just way. It was way too much money. But here's the thing: is that this is my last point on it. I'm not throwing Bolero under the bus here, and I'm not saying they're putting up the money. They went out and got a beer sponsor for this for this event. They're, 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 they're trying to, you know, 
put bowling on the map, at least in Bolero. My two points here is one, nobody even knew about it in Bolero. Uh, I don't think they did a really good job marketing. Um, and we talked about that with Jeff, but we did a survey on our Facebook page and 61 responses. Uh, and there was 66% didn't watch the show out of 61 votes. It's a small sample size, but keep in mind, we cater to the bowler. Our fans that follow us on Facebook are mostly, if not all bowlers, and 66% of those people didn't watch it, and they were paying first place 270000 Um If I was Bolero, I would have done it all for league bowlers. I wouldn't have even had the pros involved. That's what I would have done. I, you know, I mean, I would have just literally, I would have made it an all Bolero type tournament where it's literally just amateurs or league bowlers bowling for 270000 I think that makes it a little bit, you know, kind of cooler in the fact where it's like you're guaranteeing a league bowler to win 270000 I don't know what you think about that. Uh, yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. You know, if you're not going to do that and you do want to involve the pros, I mean, now I think they're having like more of these in the future. That's kind of what Jeff was saying on our last episode. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I think if you're going to guarantee these pros a certain amount of money and, and there's a good chance that some of them are going to bowl for, or guarantee really that some of them are going to bowl for these major prizes. I think they have to be willing to put in way more work to promote this. I mean, how is it that like these, these pro bowlers who were involved in it, like I, I really didn't hear much about it from them other than for the week or so leading up to it. Like, honestly, if, if somebody came to a professional bowler and said, well, you know, we're, we're guaranteeing you three shots at bowling for 270 grand. And all you have to do is beat two people, you know, or three people, whatever it may be. God, I think they should be willing to like show up at some bowling leagues in their main centers and promote it, make a big deal about it, you know, show up for several nights at a, at a bowling center and promote it. But yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't, I think uh, Jeff actually put out this week about how low the ratings were for it. So, you know, clearly they're not getting the exposure that they wanted to get there, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it in the future. I think they're they're coming to Jersey, from what I heard, Rob. There's going to be one at Carolier, one of these things. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll see. We'll follow it going forward, I guess. Yeah, Mike, you gotta you gotta submit a video to them. You gotta get on that show, dude. That's that, I'm serious. You're a big personality, man. Like you would be a great fit on that show. What they're what they're looking for, man. You bring the fire. You've heard it from two of the previous people that you were coached. I, 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 what, am I wrong? Submit that video. Let's do it. Ah, yeah, maybe if I have some extra time, I'll get on it. I am on spring break this week. So, you know, perhaps I can put that together. You should. Why not? I mean, it's, it's 270,000. All you gotta do is submit a video and you have, you know, you have a good story. How, I mean, how sick is it that this guy who won the 270,000, like he now has more in career PBA earnings than like, a huge percentage of guys that are out there bowling full time, trying to make a living at this. I know it's crazy, I mean, but like it is. It's, it's like when, it was like in like the high roller, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like mean, when the high roller was in its peak. But that's yeah, why I no, feel like it's more like it's more like winning the lottery that you had to throw a few shots for is more what exactly. it's like. Sure. You know. Uh, yeah. So interesting, man. Interesting. We'll follow it going forward, I guess. You know. 
and all these yeah. guys tweeting about golf this week. You know, maybe they should start tweeting about bowling, and bowling might get nearly, you know, anywhere in the same stratosphere as golf, perhaps. But, right. you know, didn't right. get the exposure they were looking for. So, all right, Rob, next uh, thing that was on our radar this week was the PBA playoffs. We discussed the first round because it aired live last Monday night. It resumes tomorrow, I think, with the second half of the round of 16 without the buys. And uh, I do not believe that it resumes live tomorrow. The rest of the shows are taped down to the final four. Uh, Rob, you know, and I'm not criticizing the PBA for this. It seems I actually think they've done a good job of kind of keeping the results of this somewhat tight-lipped. I think that's probably a better thing if they want people to tune in or watch. It disappoints me a little bit that we weren't able to watch all these rounds on Flow Bowling down to the final four. Uh, you and I, because of our connections, definitely have some info on what the final four looks like. We're not we're not going to talk about that yet, just because again we we know we you know get the impression that they're trying to to not spoil it. But uh, we will talk about the matches as they unfold. Last week, Rob, you went four for four, my dude. Yo, that's what I do, man. I'm like the Swami. They call him one take hove. I'm like Miss Cleo, you know, I'm seeing the future. Lord have mercy. <laughs> uh, what, I mean, what you, I, I love when those shows are in Portland, Maine, man. I, I'm serious though. Like that's kind of what sticks out to me the most uh, is just Portland, Maine, dude. Like, oh, book my trip too, Mike, by the way, I'm going to the league. All so, right. All right. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. Yeah, the atmosphere there is awesome. Here's the thing, though, Rob. You know, eventually they're going to boil this down, and two guys are going to be bowling for 100 Gs. You know, do you think that the atmosphere needs to be a little bit more toned down when it gets to that point? No, no. But don't change, don't change who who they are. There, it's you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure going on there, man. Though, I mean, 100 Gs is a lot of money. Fans know that too. Um, I, Portland, Maine, it looks like. Well, I think uh, I think that's what I'm asking. I like. Do you expect the the mood to change at all when it gets to that level? No, I expect it to be crazier than it normally is. How about that? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness. It's going to be a bigger and McCracken situation then. That's oh, what we're going to have. Oh, we're going to have a oh, bigger and McCracken oh. situation. Please God, let it be two guys to that bowl on tour that necessarily you know, don't like each other <laughs> on top of it. Like, you know, true. So yeah, the, uh, the matches resume tomorrow and uh, we'll stay on top of those. We'll continue to report on those all the way down to the uh, final four. That's going to take place the first week of June, which will be live again uh, in Portland, Maine. So uh, yeah, we'll stay up on that as well for, for our fans. So uh, Rob, lastly tonight, we wanted to get into the uh, the PBA league a little bit since the draft was completed and the teams are now finished. So I guess we should start by reviewing the teams. Do you think that's a good place to start? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, it might take a little bit too long to go through every, you, you want to go through every team and what they picked. So no, I got run. it. I got it real quick, real quick, right? Portland Lumberjacks manager, Tim Mack. You got Simonelli, Malat, Troop, Prather, and Mitch Hoope. Like that team, Rob. Yeah, it's a good team. Yeah, young. They got some young guys there, young, good players. 
LAX manager, Andrew Kane. Then you got Belmonte, Stuart Williams, Buttriff, Dick Allen, and Lavery Spar. I said, I mean, these are, I mean, obviously they're all going to be powerhouse teams. It's like drafting a fantasy team at the beginning of yeah. the, after you draft your fantasy football team, you have the greatest team ever. So I kind of feel sure. it's going to be a little bit like that. Brooklyn Styles manager, Johnny Petraglia. You got Walter Ray, Sean Rash, Rhino Page, Andres Gomez, and Brad Angelo. Uh, New York City Kingpins manager, Carolyn Doran Ballard, uh, Pete Weber, Marshall Kent, BJ Moore, Kyle Sherman, Darren Tang. The only surprise to me there, Rob, was that they, you know, Pete Weber was retained. I mean, we really haven't seen much from him this year. So I know there's not a lot of bowling in this event, and I know that he's a huge celebrity and, and part of it and deserves to be part of it if he wants to be. Uh, just somewhat surprising. The other surprise to me on the Brooklyn style side was that Parker Bone is not in this this year, Rob. I wonder why. I don't really know the answer to that. Do you? Yeah, they didn't retain him. They could have retained him. They didn't, and he wasn't eligible to get drafted based on the point. So, um, I don't know. You know, maybe we can get some inside info on that there. But, uh, you know, definitely surprised to see that, too. All right, moving on. Motown Muscle, Del Ballard is the manager. Tackett, Simonson, Josh Blanchard, A.J. Chapman, and Michael Holloman. Oh, God. That's it's like a, young, a murderer's row, dog. Oh, my young, God. Young and hungry, man. That's a, that's a young and hungry team, boy. Strap mop on that team. Tackett, Simonson, Blanchard, Chapman, and Michael Holloman. Oh, man. Blanchard has, Blanchard has the lowest rev rate on that team. Yeah, that's a handful right there, for real. All right, Dallas Strikers. And, I, you know, I'm not being a homer with our boy. Check this lineup, though. Yeah, I know. Norm Duke, Tommy Jones, Bill O'Neill, Andrew Anderson, and Brad Miller. Yeah, that's a that. To me, that's the best team out of just going. Yeah, through. I, I honestly, I think it's clear. I, I mean, if I'm betting and I'm putting a bet in on these teams, and you're forcing me to pick one, that's one hundred the team I'm picking, no question. Yeah. Well, Philadelphia Hitmen. Go ahead, go ahead, Rob. I just say you got the core three: Norm Duke, Tommy Jones, Bill O'Neill. Mike, you could put me and you on that team, and I, I think we'd uh, even have a pretty good team. <laughs> hmm, yeah, that's an idea, Rob. Yeah, no doubt. Philadelphia Hitman manager Jason Couch, uh, Dom Barrett, Tom Smallwood, Matt Sanders, Sean Maldonado, Patrick Gerard, and then finally the Go Bowling Silver Lake Adams splitters with the manager Mark Baker. You got Barnes, Svensson, Tom Darty, DJ Archer, and AJ Johnson. And, yeah, pretty good team there, too. So that gives you the rundown of the teams. Uh, The draft is completed. It's ready to go. Uh, The league is all set up and ready to go. And, Rob, it was actually announced that there's going to be two new teams added this year. Mm, That's good. That's good news. Yeah, so they're growing the league. So, Rob, here's what that made me think about. You know, they're making changes to the PBA league now. That made me think about what changes would we make if we had the opportunity. So, Rob, I wanted to get into a little bit of a flat 10 list tonight. You ready to go on that? Yep, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right, let's go. But we went flat 10. All right, Rob, the listeners know how it works. We have a top 10 list. It's five for you, five for me. And tonight we are going to give our uh, changes that we would institute to the PBA league. Okay, top five changes we would institute to the league. All right. Do you want to go first or would you like me to start? Uh, You start. Okay. And these are in no particular order. All right. No particular order. I would come up with a system where I would add a system to the PBA league where somehow 
they allow at least one team of league bowlers or one team from a league somewhere to qualify and come participate in the PBA league. Mm. You know what? It's kind of funny because we do these independently of each other. And I, my first one is very similar to yours. So I'm going to say what mine was, and then we could talk about it. Go ahead. Every team has to draft one amateur player who is originally from that city. So, like, if the team is representing, if it's the Brooklyn, you know, Styles, then I could go and get drafted being from Brooklyn. But now, the more I thought about it was, is why wouldn't the PBA run a tournament at a bowling center in Brooklyn and then the winner of that bowling tournament then is eligible to be drafted or has to be drafted. And then you, you do that for each city. And then you have one amateur player, a local, you know, a local uh, representative for each team. So that's kind of mm. similar, right? Of what you're, what yeah. You're love that. Love that idea. I, we're both on the same vein there. Like get, get, get the league bowlers, get the local league bowlers involved at a local level. All right. I'm going to go to my next one. It's almost right in line with that too. Okay. The PBA should give Joe Bowler, the average bowler, a chance to either sponsor teams in the league and be a manager, okay? Like managed, sponsor and manage, be involved in the management of a team. And I use that in quotes, right? Maybe they're not really the manager in terms of making decisions about who bowls and who doesn't, but they show up at the league, you know, event. They They have a shirt. They stand there in the back with the team. You know, they're involved in conversations of the team and they sponsor the team. I mean, you don't, you don't know. There might be individuals out there who own businesses or run businesses themselves who are into bowling who might be willing to, to put up several tens of thousands of dollars, let's say, to have their company name on a PBA league shirt for a year and be part of that process, you know, especially if they, they love bowling. The other way I look at that is the PBA could also run a league they could run leagues where your league fees go towards the league itself sponsoring a team in the PBA league. Mm. And therefore, by bowling in this league, you automatically become a sponsor of a team in the PBA league. And they can mm. run these leagues all over the country and have people have a piece of this and, and feel like they're connected to it. But that's my second one. Go ahead, Rob. What's your second? Um. I would want to maybe create some kind of marketing advertising promo where the team has to go to each city and experience the local flavor, trying to build city loyalty, maybe do an autograph signing at the local bowling center, uh, talk to the local proprietor, to proprietors about even sponsoring a team. So that was exactly what I wrote down. So uh, same page, PBA should be working uh, better with their proprietors. And they have a lot of relationship with proprietors because of how many tournaments they run throughout the country and they're regional, right? So it wouldn't be that hard for them to reach out to these bone centers and, and, and talk to them about maybe running a tournament and, and do what you're saying. But I think we, that my idea is kind of funny. Like we don't talk about these uh, and what I have and what you have. And we're kind of on the same page on the first two, I think, huh? Yeah. Right, now I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to disagree with the last thing you said about the cities. One of my suggestions, one of my changes, Rob, would be to get rid of the city names. Get rid of the attachments to the cities for the teams. Why they is really that? Have, what? Why, why, why would you do that? They have no point at, the, at this point. 
you know, there, there's no reasoning to them. Like the reason that the team started out where they did was because there were owners associated with the teams who were associated with those cities. For instance, um, you know, the Motown muscle was, was Jerome Bettis and he's from Detroit. So that's why it was the Motown muscle and the, the silver Lake Adams splitters was because um, Chris, Chris Hardwick was from silver Lake, you know? So, so like at this point, those people are no longer involved right? Obviously their, their involvement kind of waned off after that first year or so. So just get, why can't it just be the lumberjacks, the styles, the kingpins, the muscle, right. the strikers, yeah. the yeah. hitmen, you know, the Adam splitters. I mean, I, I just don't understand why you have to have the attachment to the cities other than in name. There's literally no meaning to the attachments of the cities. Right. And that's where like my point is, is if you're going to have a city, then the PBA has to try to do something where the city like takes in that team. And, and by doing something like a, having a, a local representative from, you know, Philadelphia, right. Uh, on the team. And then maybe the city and the local bowling centers in that city will actually want to root for Philadelphia Hitman because you got your local Joe bowl legend on the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. I don't. I mean, I don't think you can make them part of the pro competition, but I think it would be cool, like, if part of each team match, the the uh, the local representative from that team had to bowl a game against each other, or maybe like a ninth and tenth frame against each other, to determine some part of the outcome of the match. You know, maybe just a small part of it. But yeah, that that would be cool to see them add that aspect. All right, what's your third one, Rob? Third one is that. I would definitely have the Portland, Maine fans or crowd uh, create mascots for each team and have them run the mascots. I think that would be funny. <laughs> mm, okay. All right. Yeah, they, they actually do that a little bit with, with some of the teams. There are some people that are dressed up in, in various outfits. All right, my fourth one would be add more than five players to each team. There should be more than five players. There should be six, seven players on each team. You know, not okay. everybody should bowl every event. You know, they're, they're, you, perhaps you could have guys that are on the team as specialists. Perhaps you could have guys on the team as coach player. The, the, right. I think they need to expand those spots a little bit. Maybe you can have a spot that's for a college player. Right. Maybe sure. each team drafts a college player. But I think they need to add more players to each team. You know, I know they're expanding the teams. That's great. That's going to get more people in. But I think they also need to expand the number of players on each team to get even more people in. So that would be my next one. What's your fourth one, Rob? I would like for them to be the shows, the teams be more competitive. And what I mean by that is for them to get rid of the we're all friends laughing and having a good time on the show vibe. I hate that so much. And I think by the way you do that is you actually maybe run the league earlier in, in the season and then maybe give playoff points to, to the team who actually wins the event uh, to make it more competitive. I just, I, I, Mike, I hate when I run these shows and they're all laughing and, and just like kind of like not, I don't feel like they, they're taking it as serious as I, I want them to take it. Um, and if you're going to put cities in back of their names, I mean, you want to create rivalries. I don't know. Like, you're not going to see, like, uh, you know, Eagles, Giants. You're not going to watch them and see everybody being all, 
lovey-dovey and excited. I, I don't know. That's kind of something that I just want to see more. I want to see more shit talking, I guess. Is, you know, I want right, more so here's, here's a way to accomplish that. Right. And this is my last one. And I think it's one of my better ideas here. Take all the money involved in it and basically make it winner take all. Like it. Yeah. For the first place like team. Maybe not oh. winner take all in the sense of second gets nothing. Maybe second place gets a fair amount of money. But I would take all the money involved in it because it is an extra event, right? And these guys are getting a certain pay just by getting drafted. So they're getting something guaranteed. So I would take all the money involved in it other than those nominal amounts for a second and for getting drafted. And I would make it a winner take all event. And then you might see guys really get into it, you know, because they have to go up there and spend a few days and they, you know, they want to get paid. They want to make money. And I think if you made it a winner take all event, you know, the, the money would be somewhat significant, you know, as opposed to just the difference between first and second. But what's your last one, Rob? Uh, let's you know, when I was doing this, I kind of was just kind of writing ideas. And this is kind of far out idea and maybe, but it definitely plays off of one of your um, ideas. Uh, I kind of think the PBA needs to be more involved with, like, the junior bowlers and the junior bowling circuit. I think that that's the future of the sport. And you have to, the PBA has to promote and do more with the juniors instead of leaving it up to, like, junior gold and uh I would create a PBA league for the junior bowlers. Like a, and, and if you're going to run cities, like if you have like, I don't know, eight cities, then have youth, you know, qualifiers and have each city create a, a youth league. And you, you, then you run in a telecast where you put like the, you know, the top four teams for these, for the youth bowlers and you put them on TV and you put it at Baker's and uh, I, I don't know, it's a crazy idea, but I feel like if it, it might also help, give the cities and, and the kids something to like uh, really look forward to other than, than junior team. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that idea, Mike? I'm, I'm not really sure, but I kind of was like, you know, well, let me bring it up and see what your feedback would be. Yeah. I think it's an all right idea if you can find a way to work it. You know, I, I think that you could build interest in that way, you know, of, of setting a goal of like, Oh, I'd like to be a part of something like this someday. So I, I definitely think the interest should be there. So some interesting thoughts on both sides there, Rob, but uh, we wrap up our flat 10 list. Well, we went flat 10. So Rob, that's all we got for the listeners this week. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, that game of Thrones is starting in literally like six minutes. So <laughs> We, 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 we timed this out perfect. Uh, just, I, I just kind of want to like reiterate about how I really want to make this a, a podcast for, the, for, for younger bowlers to be able to come on and listen, especially the college bowling players, and uh, you know, to get a, a feel and idea of uh, college bowling and how like it's a super important part of uh, bowling and the industry and you know, I definitely, Mike, I want to put a topic, uh, a future podcast about how hard it is to do a jump from college bowling to the pros. Uh, I don't think we talk about that and we have talked about that, but just from personal experience, I feel like PBA loses 
95%, I would imagine, not more than that is the percentage of when college bowlers or junior bowlers, when they leave and they, they finish that career to get to the next level. I kind of feel like there's a really large gap from college to the pros. Uh, and there's just no, I don't really, there's no like way, like, you know, for baseball, you go to college, they draft you. NBA, you go to college, they draft you. The PBA, there's, there's nothing like that. So I kind of feel like that's where we need to talk about in the future about how to uh, grow the sport. And I think that's a pretty important part. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think we can get into that in a future episode for sure. Uh, I think, you know, Kenny talked a little bit about that tonight. And I definitely think that it takes a certain personal situation for some of these kids to be able to go out on tour, um, you know, financially, et cetera. Obviously, you know, you have to have a certain level of support and backing and your situation has to be a certain way for you to even have that opportunity or be able to do that. So, um, yeah, definitely something that I think we could get into at a later point. But, uh, Rob, enjoy Game of Thrones. You know, we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to go watch two, I believe. And uh, everybody out there, follow us on social media if you're not already, at Sweep the Rack on all of our platforms. Uh, email us at sweeptherack at gmail if you want to get in touch with us. Rob, we've been getting a lot of nice uh, correspondences from people out there, and uh, we want to say thank you to everybody. Continue to keep those coming. We appreciate all the positive feedback you guys are giving us. Uh, it, you know, it really makes us want to stick with it and, and, and keep with this. You know, we do it because we like it, but – you know, when, when somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I really like what you're doing, keep it up, it definitely uh, definitely makes you look at it a different way. So appreciate all that from you guys out there. Anybody out there in the bowling world, we had Alex Sorge on tonight because, you know, he's one of the homies. But any college bowlers, et cetera, you want to come on, you want to talk to us, give us the rundown, tell us about your team, program, tell us what you guys are about, get in touch with us, email us, sweep the rack at Gmail. Anybody in the bowling world, you want to come on, get at us, email us at sweep the rack, Gmail. Uh, look for us on iTunes. We're there. We're on Spotify now, right, Rob? We're on Google right. Play. We're everywhere. Yes? Yes. We're, we're all Big thing. Everywhere. We're everywhere. Okay? Look for us. We ain't that hard to find. Our poll question this week is uh, where will the PBA put the next two teams for the PBA League? What do you think, Rob? Uh, man, that, that's throwing me for a loop. Um, I don't NorCal. I don't think there's anything in NorCal, so that'd be my guess. Okay. Dan, All right. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say Vegas. Oh, Vegas would be awesome, <laughs> just because Vegas is awesome. Yeah, and there's a lot of bowling in Vegas, so I'll say Vegas. But uh, all right, Rob, take it easy, man. Have a good week, and uh, we'll catch up with everybody next week. Yes. All right, dude. See you later. All right, man. Have a good one. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.